So you had a bad year. The bugs came, the hail smashed your plants flat, the crops failed. Maybe you don't even know why, but all you can think about is what a miserable failure your last garden was. You started with these hopes and dreams. You had visions of Instagram-worthy garden pictures, and they all fell flat. And maybe you've been listening to this podcast series on gardening, and you want to be excited, but you just can't shake this feeling of trepidation. This is a legit thing. This is a phenomenon that happens with homesteaders and just hobby gardeners alike. And in today's episode, I am so excited because I have a very special guest and we are going to hit this topic head on and talk about how you can navigate coming out of a bad gardening year. We're going to get back on the horse and figure out how to keep going. So today with me, I have Chris Daining from the Homestead Garden. Chris has been in love with gardening since she was a child helping in her parents' vegetable garden. She's gardened in the colder climates of both Michigan and Wisconsin and also in sunny and warm South Carolina. She has found ways to garden while living in apartments, the suburbs, and even an RV trailer park before finally settling down on her two-acre land in upstate South Carolina. Now, in addition to writing her own blog, The Homestead Garden, has lots of tutorials and information on how to find joy in your garden in every season, Chris has also been my right-hand woman as one of my virtual assistants for many, many years now. And odds are, if you have reached out to me via email or had a customer support question, you've talked with Chris. She also helps me coach our homegrown homestead community. And honestly, she's one of the first people I reach out to if I have a gardening question, especially since I feel like her experience complements mine because I'm in the cold West and she's in the warm South. And sometimes, you know, I don't really know what to do with those giant Southern bugs or what do you do when your garden gets too hot? Cause that's generally not a problem I deal with. So she is a wealth of knowledge and she is no stranger to both garden fails and garden triumphs. So she has lots of wisdom to share and I'm super excited. Let's dive into the episode. You're listening to the old fashioned on purpose podcast where ambitious people master the art of returning to their roots. Have you found yourself disenchanted with society or wishing you could opt out of the rat race? Perhaps you're craving a life that's meaningful and tangible, a life where you can create and produce instead of merely consume. I'm Jill Winger, best-selling author and longtime homesteader. Over the last 10 years, I have helped thousands of families create more connection, grow amazing organic food, and find the ultimate fulfillment through an old-fashioned lifestyle. And I can do the same for you. Now, on to our episode. Hey, Chris, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jill. It's good to be here. Super fun. So like I mentioned in the intro, Chris and I have worked together for a very long time. She is my right-hand woman, uh, but we've never done a podcast episode together. So we're super excited for this. And, um, Chris is the one that I go to when I have a gardening question, I ask her because she has a wealth of knowledge. And the cool part is, is she is the opposite of me in terms of climate zones. So I'm in the cold Arctic and she's in the South where she has a completely different set of challenges to deal with. So I think we go together really well. 
Um, so this topic, Chris, tell me why, I know this is a topic you really love to speak to. Tell me why this one's a big one for you. Oh yeah. Okay. So talking about, uh, how to recover from a poor gardening season, I think it's not talked about a lot. I think, um, it can be pretty easy to fall into the comparison trap, especially with the internet and, uh, you decide uh, to only post the good stuff that happens because that's what everybody else is doing. And then if something goes wrong, you're just like, oh, I feel like a failure. Oh, I'm, I'm a bad gardener. I can't do this, you know, et cetera. And you, you can kind of easily fall down the rabbit hole um, of thinking that you can't garden because you had something go wrong. Um, and yeah, I think if you're just a little bold about it and you're just like, sometimes, I have a bad gardening season, but that's okay. (laughs) Yes, it is okay. And it was interesting um, when I initially announced on Instagram and Facebook that our theme for the podcast this season was the Victory Garden and starting a garden. You and I both noticed that one of the reoccurring comment themes was people saying, I don't know if I want to get back on the horse. I had a horrible year last year or a previous year and it felt bad and it was bad and I killed everything. And they're just like this, there's this hesitant feeling. Um, what do you say to people who are coming off of just like an utter garden failure? The first thing I'd say is it's absolutely okay to grieve, feel grief. That, that is completely normal. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I remember my worst gardening season I've ever had. Um, we were new to South Carolina and, uh, just adorably naive. (laughs) We tripled the size of our garden, but didn't put in a watering system. And then we were like, we're going to go on a two week vacation. Um, and I found someone to stop by and I was like, just stop by once a day. And here's a watering can. We didn't even have a sprinkler. (laughs) I'm like, just water it once a day and, you know, do your best. Thank you. Um, and, Obviously, you know, it's summer and 95 degrees every day. Yeah. <laughs> I I got out of the car when we got home, uh, went to the garden to see how everything looked and everything was either dead or dying. Every, everything, the whole thing. And I, I just fell on my knees and sobbed, like yep. just, just sobbed. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you know, you put all that physical labor that work, blood, sweat, tears into uh, a garden. First thing you need to do when something goes wrong, cry it out. (laughs) Absolutely. I have totally cried over garden. Like not that long ago, I think it was year before last. It was beautiful. Like I had taken pictures that day of how pretty it was. It was mid July. And I posted them on Instagram talking about how, you know, we were talking about social media comparisons, right? Like, look at my beautiful garden. And Two hours later, we got the most horrendous hailstorm and it was like, it was a goner. And I went out and I cried and I yelled and I cussed. Mm -hmm. It was just the the worst feeling. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my first thing. Grieve. That's, that's good. Do it. (laughs) Um, You know, and then I, I do have to just go down a little rabbit hole about my, my pet peeve, which is the term easy to grow. I, I think that bogs down people, the terminology, um, you, you try growing carrots and your carrots don't grow and you go to the internet. And the first thing you read is carrots are one of the easiest things to grow. Um, and you just stop and you go, 
well, that's it. I, I guess I have a brown thumb. I'm not a good gardener. I, you know, I can't grow the easiest thing to grow. So I guess I can't garden. Um, and I, I just, I just don't, don't fall for it. Um, yes, in theory, it may be a little easier to grow than like an orchid. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but you can just get bogged down in the terminology and just shut down. And um, I just, I just wanted to just everybody, even master gardeners, even the great Elliot Coleman yes. <laughs> and Monty Don yeah. have failed in their garden. Um, and you'd only see on, on social media, the good from people, you know, look at this beautiful harvest I got. Um, but everybody, and it's so important to realize that every single gardener has a failure. Um, I remember one year, um, I tried growing radishes and it was like, all fall, I tried growing radishes and all spring because we can grow radishes in the fall and the spring down here. Um, I could not get a radish to grow, not a single radish. Yeah. And I would go online and be like, oh, I'll be really good and figure out what's wrong. And everything just started out with that. It's as easy to grow. Even children can grow radishes. Yeah. And, uh-huh. You know, yeah, yeah. And I just felt so embarrassed. And I just, you know, I was like, I guess I'm just, I, you know, and somebody, I think it might've been you. You were like, oh, Chris is my, my <laughs> guru gardener. And I was like, <laughs> I can't even grow radishes. Can't grow radish. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh. Um, but here, I guess, I think it's important to remind people a failure in gardening is not a moral failing. Like no. it's okay. Right. You know, like yes. we all, like, wouldn't you say, I know I found like every year I have something that just bombs. Yes. Like it switches. Do you, do you have that issue? Absolutely. I've never had a 100% perfect garden. Yeah. You know, you'll have the year where you're like, wow, I have more tomatoes than I've ever had in my life. But then, you know, the cabbages had problems with cabbage worms or something. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. last year it was pumpkins. Like I've grown a lot of pumpkins in my life. I've grown enough pumpkins to even sell some years, beautiful heirloom pie pumpkins. And last year I could not grow a freaking pumpkin to save my life. Like it would <laughs> not work. And it just like, I've been doing it a long time. I don't know why it just, just, exactly. it is what it is. So yeah. 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 Nobody has a perfect, everything grows all year long without an issue. Um, I just, they just don't talk about it. Um, So, but just like learning to ride a bicycle or learning how to bake bread. um, I really believe gardening is a skill that takes time and practice to get better. Um, Yeah. uh, Thomas Edison said, I have not failed. I have found 10,000 ways that don't work. And um, yeah, that, that's usually to think of that in your head as you go. It's uh, a lot of failures, but you can yep. see them as, you know, experiments for figuring out what to do better next time. Yeah. So it's, and it's like you said, it's not that someone is cursed no. with a brown thumb. It is that you just haven't practiced enough. And that's what I tell my kids, you know, they're like, I'm really bad at like writing the, the hoverboard. I'm like, no, you're not bad at it. You just haven't done it enough. It just takes yes. more reps. That's all it is. That's the only difference between a new gardener and like a master gardener is more reps. Exactly. Yeah. I've noticed that a lot with, um, starting seeds. The mm-hmm. first years I started seeds, you know, I had so success, you know, and I'm like, I did it. I know what I'm doing. We're good. But what I knew about seed starting my first year and what I know now in my whatever 25th year of seed starting, yes. <laughs> yes. it's like, you know, I can now look at a tiny little plant coming out of the, the seed starting soil and be like, oh, this is going to be a healthy plant. And, you know, you can just tell yeah. But it takes 
takes time. It takes skill. It takes practice. Um, it's not just something you can, you know, like you can't pick up a paintbrush and suddenly paint masterpieces. And it's the same with gardening. Right. And there's really, there's really not a shortcut. I think it, well, I mean, there's shortcuts like you and I as content creators, our job is to create the shortcuts and the hacks and the tricks, but we can give people only so much. And then it's like with any skill, it's just, there aren't, is there, isn't a shortcut to mastery. You just gotta, just gotta do the work. Exactly. Make the attempts and fall on your face and do it again. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, when I moved here at South Carolina, my favorite kind of pea is a snow pea. I don't really like sugar snap peas. The texture just kind of bothers me. Um, and people are like, oh, well, you can't grow snow peas in the South. Like, it's just not possible. They like cold climates. And I was like, okay, <laughs> no, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to figure this don't out. tell me what I can't grow. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But it took me eight years, eight to finally find the right variety of snow pea and the exact time I need to start them in the soil and how to cover them the right times to like keep the soil warm. Took eight years of yeah. practice to finally nail down growing snow peas in South Carolina. So, you know, it's if I had just stopped after the first year, which I got no snow peas, like mm-hmm. you're not, you're not, you know, you keep trying and you can figure it out. Yes. Just, yep. The repeated attempts. Absolutely. I found that, uh, writing details every year in a garden journal, um, really helps. Uh, that would probably be one of the most important things you can do. If you've had a failure in your garden is grab a journal, um, whether a three wing binder or a spiral notebook, or get really fancy and get some kind of cute journal, keep garden journal notes. Um, that's, it's going to help because you will forget. Like, I cannot yes. believe how much I forget. I'm like, I'm never going to forget this thing that happened. And then next year I'm like, Oh yeah, that, that never happened. Like it's so easy to just yeah. leave your brain. What oh kind of things goodness. do you put in your garden journal? Cause I know that this is a, this is a popular topic and sometimes people don't really know what to record. Yeah. Um, so every year I've, I've progressed in what I add. If you look at like my first years, it's like one page of notes, yep. <laughs> but yep. yeah, now I'll include things like, where did I purchase the seeds? Um, what seed variety I'm trying. And if it fails, I'll, I'll highlight it. And, you know, right. Like this, this seed variety failed, not my peas failed, but this yes. variety failed. Um, I'll write down you know, why a plant is failing, like aphids attacked my broccoli. And then, you know, that gives me an idea. Like I need to figure out how to protect my broccoli from aphids in the future. Um, when I look at that later and, um, what did I plant next to the crops? If Mm, that's a good one. Yeah. Companion planting. Um, you can get really bogged down in companion planting information, but you don't have to. And one of the ways you can do it is like this, like I didn't get a very good bean yield. What did I plant next to my beans? Oh, I planted onions next to my beans. Yeah. And when you look that up, oh, you shouldn't plant them next to each other. Okay, yeah, I'll write this down as well. Um, and yeah, just all of that information. Did I plant this in the full sun? Um, when did I plant it? That was one of the things I learned with peas um, with my microclimate. You know, it says like a certain amount of weeks before the frost to plant. And I've learned that it, it, I should go like nine days before that. Um, and that was only through trial and error and writing it down. Um, yep. And then when you have all that information, it can help you figure out mysteries. 
Um, so one year I had random things not work in my garden, like 30% of my garden was just Ooh. not doing well, but it was like all over the place and just different crops. And so I, I was like, what is this? And so I sat down and I just read through all my garden notes and I realized that all of the seeds that were not doing well came from the same seed company. And I have noticed that unless, you know, except with the, the garden journal notes. Um, and it, the seed company is fine. It's a great company, but I don't think it's the right varieties for my climate. So I started trying other ones until I found the right seed companies that work for where I live. But you don't find that out unless you write down like anything you can think of in your garden notes. Yeah, I don't think I would ever put that together. I mean, I would have been, <laughs> I, knowing myself, I would have been like, I have no clue. It's just randomly not working. So that's yeah. a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, you can keep those garden notes. And like I said, when it's winter, this is the best time to start researching what to do better. And you can pour, you sit by a fire. <laughs> That's what yes. I do at least. <laughs> mm-hmm. Amen. <laughs> I'll be like, okay, I had a problem with, oh, I had Mexican bean beetles once and I've never seen them before. I've never had them since, but I was like, how do I prevent Mexican bean beetles? And so then you use the internet and you know your garden resources and start figuring out, how to prevent them in the future. And you only get that information if you write it down. Cause <laughs> yes. you think, oh, I'm not going to forget what, what bug bothered my beans this year. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a month. <laughs> it's gone. I can't even remember what I planted from your, I mean, if I don't write it yeah. down, I don't have any idea. I don't know where I put it. I don't know what it was. I don't have no recollection. <laughs> short-term memory only. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. And learning like so for those of you who are listening and you're coming off of these bad seasons or bad crops, don't just call it a wash and think the year was for not because it's really a great opportunity to learn from those situations. And it hurts. Usually those type of learning experiences are not the most fun. Like you guys have all heard the story of how I poisoned my garden with hay mulch. Uh, it sucked. And I, I also cried over that and it was Ugh. devastating. But I got to learn about amino pyrrolids, which I would have never looked that up otherwise, (laughs) and pesticide damage and how to use mulch properly and how to vet mulch. Like I learned all kinds of stuff from it. It's fun Mm -hmm. to look back on now. Wasn't fun to go through, (laughs) but a worthwhile experience nonetheless. Have you ever had any of those? Like, I know you have a a pickle worm. I don't even know what a pickle worm is. Tell me about (laughs) pickle worms, please. I I have no clue. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't either until I moved to South Carolina. Let me tell you, uh, moving from Michigan and Wisconsin um, and like how you can grow up there to South Carolina, so different with pests Mm because I had never heard of a pickle worm either. And um, yeah, okay, so I was writing journal notes. I was using the internet. And this actually wasn't helping me figure out what was wrong. I just noticed that all my pickling cucumbers had tiny little holes in them. And then they would like shrivel up and and die. And I was like, what, what is happening? And the only, the next step, if the internet isn't helping, because Googling, why do I have holes in my pickles? And then they die. Is just... (laughs) May or may not be helpful. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Observe your garden. And, um, in our modern time, it's always just rush, rush, rush. And uh, if you can't figure out what's wrong with your garden, I highly recommend grabbing a chair, sitting down and watching. And that is what I did. I I just pulled over a stool and sat and stared at my pickles. And like, <laughs> yeah, my husband often thinks I'm crazy. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, it's all good. <laughs> but um, within an hour, I saw a little worm come out of the hole. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. So How people, big are they? Um, like, they they're like yeah, maybe an inch big at the, the okay. most. But they're, yeah, they're really tiny. And they, they, dr- they drill inside. And uh, yeah, I always have to cut my pickles into slices now just to make sure. Because sometimes yeah. you can't see the hole. But then when you cut the pickle open, you'll see a worm inside. So if you can hold pickles, it's not a good idea. But observing your garden, that if you can't figure out what's wrong in any other way, just just watch. Because I'd never seen this before. And it was like a whole new world. (laughs) Yeah. Seriously. And then is there something you, just now we're on a rabbit trail. Is there something you put on the cucumber plants? Because now I'm obsessed with pickle worms. Did like stop them? Or is it just kind of like you just do what you can? Um, from talking to some people in the area, they said, so these like little moths come down on the pickles at nighttime. So if you cover the pickling cucumbers with some kind of like cloth at night, you can at least keep ahead of it. Um, another thing is finding the right variety. So I live really close to Clemson university. And, um, when I was like, what do I do about pickle worms? Um, there's a variety that their university came out with that like combats the pickle worm issue. And so if you grow that and then you cover them at night, you have a pretty good chance of keeping them at bay. So, so it's kind of like the cabbage, you know, the brassica stuff yes. where you put the little, uh, white fabric stuff on top of it. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. So I like that you <laughs> talked about switching varieties. If you're, yes. you're like identifying problems, you're honing in what else could people look at if they're like, I don't know why this crop just bombed. Like, what are some of the other things you check? Hey friend, I wanted to take a quick break from this episode to talk about something that's a pretty big deal right now, the canning lid shortage. It has a whole lot of people wondering if they're even going to be able to preserve the food from their gardens this year. 2020 not only caused some major shortages with the seed industry, but it did the same for canning lids, as many of you know, and they're almost impossible to find. I actually ordered a big box of lids in May of 2020, and it still hasn't arrived. It's nowhere to be seen. And if you do happen to find some online, let's just say price gouging is real. Anyway, I have good news. I think I found a solution. I was thrilled to come across Harvest Guard reusable canning lids recently. Not only are they made from super tough materials that are specifically designed to be used over and over again, they're actually a fraction of the cost of what some of the disposable lids are going for right now. If you want to check them out, I think you're going to be super impressed. Head on over to theprairiehomestead.com slash canning lids. I'll also drop a link in the show notes. And if you place an order, be sure to use code homestead to save 10%. Plus shipping is always free. Now back to our episode. I would say like eight or nine out of 10 times, if you're having a bad garden, it's the soil, like check the soil. And Unlike your observations, your garden journal and the internet, you can't find out what's wrong with your garden soil unless you get it tested. And you kind of mentioned this with your um, poisoned story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, check your local extension offices and get your soil tested. If you're having like a bad year after bad year, um, 
I usually get it tested every two years just because you don't know if you have a phosphorus deficiency, but if you can keep ahead of that before you end up having a really bad crop year, you know, then you can figure out, oh, I have a phosphorus deficiency. What can I do about that? And find out the right amendments to add. Or um, you found out once not to add compost, if I remember yes. correct. You, you are correct. I was on this nitrogen heavy train of more <laughs> compost, more compost. And the test revealed I was right on the edge of majorly screwing some stuff up and putting way too much on. So I stopped and that I was able to keep myself in check, which was yes. good info. Also, it might, and I talk about soil testing on other episodes in this series, but it's just such a big deal. And it it's such a, like, Mine was like 30, how much is yours? Like mine was 35 bucks, I think. I think mine was like $12. Oh, well, here's yeah. I don't know how you got it so cheap. <laughs> Colorado State University is reading Um, But it was even, even 30 bucks is the best yeah. 30 bucks you can spend. And like, I learned iron, I have iron deficiency mm-hmm. here and my green bean plants were yellow. And I'm like, why are they yellow? And that's why, because they don't have enough iron. So yeah. Yeah, and sometimes when you just internet search that, They'll be like, oh, they could be yellow because you have bad phosphorus or nitrogen or potassium yes. or iron. And you're like, well, which one is it? <laughs> yeah. It's like so. Googling, why does my kid have a runny nose? And then you're pretty sure they have cancer. Yes. Like yes. it's just not almost not worth your time. So get the, exactly. go to the source and get the info. Yes. Everybody yeah. should t- get their soil tested. Um, yeah. You will prevent mistakes and you can fix mistakes. Um, yes. yes. Otherwise you don't know. And then crop rotation, definitely definitely do crop rotation. Um, it's going to do so much. It's good for the soil. It's good for your plants and you can help with the pests. So I have a friend who only grows tomatoes and peppers. And this past year I had like three hornworms. Hornworms are really bad down here. I don't know if they're bad by you. We have a few, but not many. Yeah. He had, he was picking out like 40 to 50 a day. Oh, my he was, gosh. he was like, why, oh. what's wrong? <laughs> and I was like, okay, let me research this for you. And it turns out that, um, if they're happy one year, they'll like pupate or whatever in hibernate mm-hmm. in the soil. And then their next babies come up and they're like right next to the food source. And so yeah. if you're only growing the same one or two crops, they just keep adding more babies and more babies. Cause the food source never moves. So <laughs> it just keeps working worse sense. and worse. Yeah. 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 So this was like his fourth year gardening and it was like exponentially like way worse than it's ever been before. And so, you know, he's going to have to figure out some things to do with that, but crop rotation he, will help. Has he tried, is he, is this was too early? Was this like last year? Has he had a yes, chance last to try? Year. Okay. So he hasn't had a chance to see what happens when no. he moves things around a little bit yet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So be interesting though. Okay. It will be, it will be I kind of using him as a, like a fun experiment, like try all these sure. things and let me know if For it works. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like hornworms. Like I, I know because we don't have that many, so I forget they're there and I'll be picking tomatoes and like <laughs> almost grab them. And I'm like, Oh, like, I just don't like them. They're too big. They're like, I'm not weird about spiders or yeah. lizards or like most things, but there's, they're, they've gone to the icky factor. <laughs> they have, they're too juicy. And like, everyone's going to chop a pupa or the ones or whatever they are in the soil yeah, you know, yeah. and then they, they're in half and they're moving and I'm just like nope nope I'm done I'm done so, yeah oh yep. okay yeah. so yeah. crop rotation big don't okay. don't fall for the like monoculture type trap of just growing like the same thing over and over in the same spot that's not good for your soil um 
learn more about companion planting. That that's a big one as well. Like again, like onions and beans. You can plant them by each other, but you know, your garden notes might say, I had half as many beans as normal this year. Yeah. You know. Um oh, weeding. That's a big one for people. Staying on top of weeding. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people like they're like, I can't garden because I just can't I can't keep up on the weeds. So I think you had some information on that before. Um, was that another podcast or just on your website? Yeah, the the zones, which is something we talked about. So Chris, uh, yeah. I think it's on. A, I think it's on a previous episode. Um, and but we talked about it a lot. You and I, or Chris and I coach. We call it homegrown. It's like a homestead mentorship group, um, and we work on that together. And we introduced this concept last year of garden zones. Cause like everyone was talking about how overwhelmed they were and mm-hmm. I got a really good reception. And it's just a simple idea of splitting your garden up into sections and then weeding one section a day. And when you're done, you can be done. Mm-hmm. But for me, just with the way my brain works, it feels so much more doable than, Oh, I'm going to go weed the garden for 18 hours today. And maybe I'll feel completed at the end. Maybe I won't. That's not yeah. a good feeling. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about crossing it off your list and knowing that you're like, okay, I'm just going to do garden zone one today. And then when I am done, I'm going to celebrate by sitting on my garden bench and being like, look what I accomplished today. And then it's such a better way and perspective in the garden than being like, you know, I only got this tiny little bit done and look at all the rest I have to still do. And I can't keep up on weeding. So I just give up on gardening kind of thing. Like yeah. And I, I have done that back. I, yeah. first years. I literally was like, I quit July. I'm like, I don't care. Weeds just take it. I'm over it, but it's been, it's better now. It's a little better yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You get there. Yeah. 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 So there's just, there's like a lot of little things that you just, you can keep learning some of it that you'll figure out you need to learn more about when you write down stuff in your garden journal. Um, and then, you know, I guess when you're having a bad year, which some of us are going to have entire bad seasons. Some of us are just going to have like a bad crop or whatever. Um, one, one unexpected blessing um, can be, you can use it as a way to do some crazy extreme experiments um, in your garden. Oh, I like this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tell me more. Tell me more. Okay. What have you done? <laughs> <laughs> so I think the year that was my worst garden season ever was also the year I learned more about pruning, watering, and fertilizing than ever before. Cause I was standing there staring at a garden that was almost all dead. And I thought, well, what's the worst that can happen if I try yeah. some stuff out? So I had six zucchini plants and I wrote notes and I was like, zucchini plant number one, I'm going to prune it all the way down to the nub. <laughs> like Nothing yeah. left. Will it yeah. come back? <laughs> you know, the second one, I'll, I'll cut half of it off. Will it come back? You know, and I just kept yes. just sitting there. Like I got so much better at figuring out how to prune like tomatoes and other, like just confidence in pruning because mm-hmm. I, I just, I was like, well, it, it's either going to die continually to die <laughs> all the way to, it can't come back or something yeah. cool is going to happen here. And fertilizing, you know, you get organic fertilizer and it says like on the bottom, you know, or the box or whatever, like, you know, one tablespoon per whatever gallon of water. And <laughs> I would sit there at first um, and like actually like scoop it out and think I was going to kill something if I just yeah. eyeballed it. But yeah. 
that year I was like, well, what's the worst that can happen? Let's see how much I can do or like how little I can care about the exact measurements. Um, and I, yeah, I learned a lot just from being like, why not just experiment and learn? So that's an unexpected blessing, I guess. I love that. And for those of you listening who are homeschoolers, there is some great homeschool material right there too. Just get yes. out there and be like, what do we do to these dead plants? Let's try some stuff. But, <laughs> but how yeah. cool. Yeah. And, you know, I have always wondered, like, how, can I add more fertilizer? How do I know this fertilizer is working? What if this is just yes. like water in a jug? So that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I did the same thing with watering. Um, I was like, okay, these plants are, I did not get enough water. So maybe I'll just pour an entire bucket of water on this plant. Did that help? Did that like drown it now? <laughs> you yeah. know, and, like just like went down and just took copious notes. And it was, yeah, that would be a great thing to do with kids. Be like, okay, guys, look, something, you know, failed in the garden. And instead of getting upset about it, let's learn some really cool science lessons here. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Brilliant. I think. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, well, as much fun as you can get when your whole garden dies. <laughs> well, true, true. It'll still, let's call it silver lining. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Not initially the best case scenario, but it turned out okay. Right. Yeah. Um, okay, so comparison, we brought that up a few times. I think it's a really, really important thing to highlight. Talk a little bit about kind of community is great in the garden world and it makes us feel like we're not alone, but can that ever be, you feel like that can be detrimental sometimes when we're dealing with these maybe bad years or years that aren't as ideal as we'd like? Absolutely. Yeah. Community is good and bad when you have a bad year in the garden. Um, first, we'll just say the bad. Uh, Theodore Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy. And it, it totally is. It's so easy in today's world with social media mm-hmm. to fall down the comparison trap. Um, you know, I even had this problem last year. I had a very small garlic season and I, at the same time, everyone else is harvesting garlic. And I went on Instagram and just everyone's like armfuls of garlic bulbs and they just looked beautiful. And I was like, you know, feeling jealous and Mm -hmm. pessimistic and downtrodden. And that's, that's not helpful. That's that's not helping you at all. And uh, yeah, like social media is all about the pretty. Um, and it's hard not to, but try not to compare yourself. Um, it's not helping your mental space, mm-hmm. but you can figure out how to use community in a good way. Um, if it's not COVID times, <laughs> I highly, highly recommend, uh, joining local groups. Um, I I've taken some classes with a local master gardening place and the botanical garden in the area has some classes. The public library sometimes does, um, on gardening and it has been amazing. I took a class on compost composting and I was like, Oh, I know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And then I joined this class and not only did I learn from the class, but then I talked to other people in the class about gardening and it's just so healthy. And if, uh, when it is COVID times, um, the secondary would be find some online groups, especially local ones, if you can. Yeah. But 
like I was like, oh, you know, my cabbage is being infested with cabbage worms. And someone was like, oh, me too. Yeah, me too. And suddenly there were like five of us complaining together about how we had a bad year with cabbage. And there's just, as long as you aren't afraid, it takes a little boldness. Be bold yep. and tell someone the failures you had in your garden. And you're going to find advice. You're going to find people who are, know exactly what you're going through and you can connect with them. But it takes the step of being one of the first ones to admit you had something go wrong. And that has happened the same thing to me so many times where I'm like, I think even last year, it was a weird year for beans. And I'm like, I don't know. I was like, is that my iron deficiency causing issues? Or I'm like, maybe it's something in the soil. But then I talked to a bunch of friends and they're like, yeah, my beans did horrible this year. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. There's like something a- about 2020 and beans. Yeah. Didn't work. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And you don't find that out unless you talk to people. Yeah. Um, you know, and another way is, you know, maybe you're like, guys, my cabbage didn't do well. And they go, oh yeah, I had a really good cabbage year, but I did not grow good broccoli. And you're like, Ooh, I did grow good broccoli. So you can get a little bit of a, like, you don't want to brag about it, but like a boost of confidence. And you can be like, yes. you know what I did with my broccoli is I gave them a scoop of compost and whatever. And it just really helped. And you can just give each other advice and just talking with people in your area, if you can, or online, if it's, if that's what you have, um, yep. Yeah. You can have light bulb moments as well. Um, I was talking to my cousin who farms in the area and uh, they're like, oh yeah, for cabbage worms, the only thing we could figure out to do is like tent them at night, you know, with the cloth or whatever. Yep. And all he said is the word tent. And I had just like light bulb moment where I was like, I just bought cattle panels to make a trellis in a tent-like shape. Oh. What if I grow peas over the cabbage yeah, in a tent form. And uh, peas put nitrogen in the soil and yep. cabbage likes to draw the uh, nitrogen from the soil. So they have a nice relationship going on. And so that's what I did last year. And I had no cabbage moths. The peas made like really? a really nice uh, shaded area over top yeah. and the cabbage moths couldn't get down to the cabbage. And the cabbage was happy and got some shade. It was, it was like the perfect thing. And that never would have even crossed my mind, except I was talking to someone about the struggles and yep. just that inspiration. So that is brilliant. Now I'm like, now I've something to like, be said about set that up with my cash. <laughs> yeah. So smart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I yeah. haven't like written about it yet. Cause I'm like, well, maybe it was a fluke, but like, it seems to make sense as far as like, you know, how it would work, but yeah. Yeah. Just, you can get some inspiration from your community, but you've got to be bold and yes. be willing to just say, I didn't, I didn't have a good year with this crop or whatever. And, and talk to it, talk it out. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, but to backtrack a little bit to when we were talking about social media and, and looking at all the pictures, mm-hmm. I've heard many people talk about recently in, in recent years, how we are exposed just to so much more than we used to be just as yeah. humans in local communities. So there's just so much more assaulting us. And I feel like when there's, when I'm seeing things on social media that are making me feel insecure or jealous or weird, I usually, I'll do one of two things. So the the first recommendation is usually to unfollow the person that's just like bothering you. If you just can't handle it, Mm -hmm. it's just too much. If it's kicking you when you're down and they're not doing it on purpose, it's just, they're living their life and it's just not a great time. You can unfollow. (laughs) (laughs) But one of the other options that I have 
kind of learned is to take that feeling. Like if I'm feeling like jealous or I'm like, I feel bad about myself because my garlic was bad and their garlic was good or whatever is like channeling that energy and thinking, okay, so how can I take this feeling of jealousy and turn that into forward momentum to learn how to get better? And that is, is a big motivator for me. And, you know, it also pulls out some of the um, like I used to, would, I would sit there and look at someone's beautiful garden pictures and go, well, woe is me. I'll never have that. They obviously mm-hmm. have the better climate and live in a better place and like stopping myself and going, no, actually they're just working on it in a different way, or they had a different season than I did. And so, you know, shifting that mindset and turning that energy into something positive has really, that's been a game changer for me with that, I think. Absolutely. Um, there's so many times where you can see gardening as like a metaphor for life. And like how you react to it, you, and it's always possible to change your perspective and focus on the good. You know, that really bad gardening year I had, uh, sometimes I'll read through the notes because I learned so much about pruning and watering and stuff. Um, the last line on that sheet for that year says, and this is a direct quote, I managed to grow kale really well and my peppers thrived. I love that I ended the year yes. on that positive uh, note, that high. And, uh, you know, like whenever possible, <laughs> focus on the good, find the good. Yeah. Like Maybe your carrots didn't grow well, but what did grow well? Or even if everything did poorly, what did you learn? Like, mm-hmm. it's always a learning experience. Um, yep. And you, should, you also have to accept what you cannot change. You can't change the yes. weather. You can't um, change. No. <laughs> no, but what I've learned, cause I have got, I got to have the worst weather of like 90% of the people. You know, like, I just be worse, yeah. the worst cold and the wind and the snow and the hail and the tornadoes. It's just ridiculous. Oh. But you know, I've had years and years. I've had people tell me you can't garden here. I've had mm. people like almost make fun of me for even trying. I've had people who just love to tell me horror stories. And for a, a while, I believed it. And I started to go, wow, I, this sucks. I live in a place where this is impossible. Why are we homesteading here? And then I shifted perspective, like you said, and thought, okay, this is a mess, but how can I turn this into a vehicle of change or innovation? Yes. And so for Christian and I, it's been, yeah, we have horrendous hail, like just the, the worst. So what can we build that will help that? And, and, and in doing so, we have the opportunity to give that solution to a lot of other people who follow us on YouTube or listen to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, or like the greenhouse, our growing season is like two days long. So <laughs> I have to get really creative if I want to have vegetables for more than this tiny period. So we put in our greenhouse and now I'm learning how to grow it without heat. And now I have a ton of people going, how are you doing this? I could maybe do this. And I'm like, this is cool. I'm learning a new skill. I'm learning a whole new area of gardening. And that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't lived in the worst place on earth to garden, like other, if it was easy, I would have never had all these extra learning experiences. Yes. Yes. I definitely think, um, you know, like if you grow the same tomato every year, all the time and you get what you're like, yeah, this is an average yield of tomatoes. And then you have a year where that it, your tomatoes fail and then you learn more and you're like, well, maybe I need to try a different variety. And that variety gave you, gives you twice as many tomatoes. If you had just stayed in that comfort zone, and just been like, oh, well, you know, maybe I just had a bad year or whatever. And you didn't try and learn from it, then you'd never know this other, you know, like variety exists that can do even better for you. Just 
there's so many different ways you can take a bad year in the garden and change your perspective, focus on the good, learn how you can improve things for the future. And it's just, it opens your eyes. It inspires you. Um, and just gives you a whole new journey uh, into the world of knowledge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really <laughs> learn. Yeah. It, the possibilities are endless in the garden. Um, and I love that. Absolutely. So when you are coming off one of these seasons, you know, you're, you're ra- putting the wrap on it and you're going, okay, that was rough, but we're going to figure out what went wrong. You're checking soil, you're doing all, all those things. How do you kind of give yourself a fresh start so you can focus on the future and just give yourself a blank slate for the following year? I, I really do a lot of journaling. I think my garden journal is like part stats, like the, you know, the varieties and stuff. And it's also like part, like what you would maybe consider like a normal personal journal. And I, I, I'll do a lot of uh, introspection on the year, just write down what went well what did I learn this year? What should I change for next year? And, you know, I'll try and write like bullet points and I reread the ones from each year, um, just to inspire and drive me, um, towards the next year. Um, it's one of my favorite things about working with the seasons in the garden winter. This is the time it's all about hope and excitement Mm. and this, what helps drive me towards that is rereading my journal notes and just finding joy in the journey, I guess, is that's like my motto, um, right on my garden journal, uh, title. (laughs) I like it. I really like that. Yeah. Um, well, this is awesome. I think there's so much good stuff here for folks. I hope, uh, they find it encouraging. I feel encouraged. Just, (laughs) it's just nice to know you're just not alone. Like you're totally not alone. You're not process. Yeah. Uh, what would be your biggest takeaway for folks as we wrap up? (sighs) Gardening is, um, Oh, you know what? There's a good quote. Um, I'm going to end with, with this from May Sarton. You've probably heard this one. It goes around on the internet. Um, quote, a garden is always a series of losses set against a few triumphs like life itself. Oh man. Just so good. Yeah, it is. You know, yeah. life is hard. Gardening is hard, but find joy in the journey. Yeah. And let yourself become better in the process of learning anything yes. and, uh, yes. and anything we're doing is, yeah, you, it's not about the destination. It's about who we become in the process. So absolutely. Yeah. And we got deep. Who, who knew <laughs> gardening is so deep? Like we're <laughs> philosophizing today. So. Oh, good stuff. So where can folks find you on the internet if they want to follow along with your garden adventures? Um, I have a website called the homestead garden, um, dot com, and you can uh, check out my articles there. I have a newsletter that you can sign up for. It's just monthly. Um, and I like to write a lot of garden advice throughout the seasons. So I've got lots of tips for the winter, spring, summer, and fall for your garden. And you can also find me on Instagram, um, at Chris at the homestead garden. So awesome. I love it. Well, Thank you again for sharing all your wisdom. You're um, welcome. This was a blast. And thank all, thanks to all of you for listening along today. And as always, just keep your head up and keep on trucking, whether this is your first year in the garden or you are a seasoned pro, there's always lots to learn. And that's all I have for you today on this episode. We will catch up on the next one. Thanks, friends. Happy homesteading. <laughs>